Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you don't subscribe to the Wisconsin State Journal, you really should. You'll be supporting more than 40 journalists here in our newsroom and many more across the region. Take your phone or go on your computer to madison.com slash subscribe now. You can get a digital subscription to madison.com for just five bucks a month. Or if you want the newspaper delivered to your door along with a digital subscription, that's less than a buck a day. Just go to madison.com slash subscribe now. Thank you. First, there was a Vanna White veto. I'd like to buy an E, please. Uh-huh, there are five E's in that puzzle. The Vanna White veto allowed governors, most notably former Republican Governor Tommy Thompson, to veto around individual letters in the state budget to spell out new words. Voters banned that in 1990. Then came the Frankenstein veto. Former Democratic Governor Jim Doyle perfected the Frankenstein veto in which he would veto around individual words across pages of the state budget to bring new laws to life, much like Frankenstein's monster. And voters banned that in 2008. Thanks to an awesome campaign by the Wisconsin State Journal's editorial page. And now we've got the zombie veto. Is that what we're calling it? We're calling it the zombie veto? I've heard it called that. Okay. That sound effect there is a zombie eating someone's brain. The zombie veto is where the governor undeletes something from the state budget that the legislature deleted. So the governor brings the dead back to life with his still powerful veto pen. And then I'm calling it the spending veto. The spending veto. Where you use the veto power by the Wisconsin governor and you veto higher spending into law unilaterally, which the Republicans now want to ban. And that's because the new Democratic governor, Tony Evers, just used his remaining partial veto powers to appropriate $87 million more than the legislature authorized for public schools. Maybe we should call it the ATM veto or something catchy like that. You gotta have a nifty name if you wanna get attention to the cause of good government limits on veto power. And we're gonna talk about that today and all things veto-y on Center Stage with Milford and Hands, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the sensible center of Wisconsin politics. I'm Scott Milfred. I'm the editorial page editor for the Wisconsin State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. We are half of the State Journal editorial board. The better looking half. The governor of Wisconsin, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, has one of the most 
powerful vetoes in the entire country. Maybe the most powerful. If I was Trump right now, I'd say by far the most powerful veto in the country. But I don't know that for a fact or not. It's the most beautiful veto pen. <laughs> it depends who's in office. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Democrat, you think Tony Evers' veto is beautiful. If you're a Republican, <laughs> it is it is a sham. It is a threat to. It is a power grab. It's the most destructive thing ever. But when Tommy Thompson did it back in the '80s, it was totally fine. And now that you mention it with Trump and everything, when you compare it to the federal veto powers, Trump's veto pen is the wimpiest thing. It's like a broken crayon. It's almost as tiny and useless as his hands. Whereas the veto pen in Wisconsin is like this supercharged Parker pen with a laser on it. It's as strong as a good Wisconsin farm wife. <laughs> and that's even after lots of power being taken away from the governor's veto pen by voters over decades. And our story starts about 100 years ago, actually. 1930s. was when the amendment to give the, the governor a partial veto power was, that was, that's when the amendment was adopted by the voters. Uh, in Wisconsin, to the amendments to the state constitution, you have to go through the legislature twice and then get approved by the voters in a referendum. It's a complicated process, but it, this is how we got the partial veto power. And it sounds like it's almost, you know, it's it, um, it's almost sort of an accident of history that gave the governor so much power because in earlier versions, they talked about the governor's ability to to veto an item in a budget bill so that there'd be a little more control. But in this final version, they said veto part of a budget bill. Mm-hmm. Instead, instead of item, they used the term part. And they thought they were using the words interchangeably. But later throughout the years, judges ruled that that meant governors could basically veto anything. Because a lot of states have a line item veto. Yeah. In which a governor can line out one line yeah, and at say, a time. I, I don't like that. We're getting rid of the whole we're, thing. We're taking it out. That's what a veto is. But the courts here have interpreted partial veto to mean any part of it. Yeah, so any, you can, and, and it's been big parts and little parts <laughs> and all sorts of parts over the years. And people think of the most egregious veto was the Vanna White veto popularized by Tommy Thompson. But it was Democrat Tony Earle, not to be confused with Tony Evers, in the 1980s. Tony Earle actually had some vetoes that left individual letters behind, but it was really Tommy who took it to a whole nother world. Yeah. And in one budget had 400 some vetoes, and he actually vetoed around individual letters to spell out new words, and that's why they called it the Vanna White veto. And that used to be a really popular show. I I mean, it still kind of is, right? Can I I tell a Wheel of Fortune story real quick, Scott? Um, So I was giving this presentation at Oakwood Village, the retirement community (laughs) in Madison, and I was speaking at 7 o'clock. I got there about 6.15 because I wanted to make sure I could get set up and everything was ready to go. But this lady had showed up. She was early, and she was saying how much she enjoyed my cartoons, and she said, don't worry, Phil, you go on at 7.00. And Wheel of Fortune's on at six th- from six thirty to seven, <laughs> and when that's over, people are going to come in, and they'll and they'll be for your presentation. And lo and behold, seven o'clock, it was like a parade of old folks <laughs> in to watch me speak. And it was as soon as Wheel of Fortune was over. So. Right. So I'm trying to explain to these whippersnappers who are listening to this podcast. Because only cool young people listen to podcasts. We were just talking about how we know that our parents don't know how to hook up the. <laughs> our parents who we, we helped them. Our Wheel of Fortune aged parents. Yes. You know, they can't figure out how to listen to a podcast. But they know what the Vanna White veto is. They do. 
And I'm proud to say that the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board, long before even we were members, consistently was for narrowing the veto power. So... Unlike some editorial boards who don't like it when Republicans do it, but don't mind it when the Democrats do it, we've always disliked the abuse of veto power. Yeah, or vice versa. Here's part of a old Wisconsin State Journal editorial from back when they were debating the Vanna White veto. The State Journal recommended that voters vote in favor of banning it. Back then we said, and I quote... Some of the 459 budget vetoes last summer were so unprecedented and threatening to the power of the legislative branch that it would have been an abdication of duty for the Democratic-run legislature not to respond. And uh, this was an editorial board that had repeatedly endorsed Tommy Thompson. Some of this stuff was so egregious that anybody with a straight face and who's honest would say, yeah, that's that's not right. And overwhelmingly, once that got put on a spring election ballot, the public outlawed it in the Constitution. Yeah. Now let's move forward from there. So Tommy Thompson leaves office. You can still veto individual words. The other thing that was developed over the years by governors was you could write down numbers. Like it started out where if you had a million dollars you could cross out one of the zeros and take it to $100,000. Yeah. Then Tommy would just mark out the whole number and write in a smaller number. And and judges said that was constitutional. And they said that was okay. He was lowering the number. Yeah. But then sometimes, for example, Governor McCallum, he vetoed out a number two and a decimal point in the state budget. And the boost in tuition for out-of-state students at UW-Madison yeah. went from 2.5% to 5%. Oh, okay. So, so we doubled the tuition increase. Essentially increasing taxes, right? I mean, you're increasing tuition. But it's for out-of-state students, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Frankenstein veto. So, so, so not only could you just cross out like a decimal point a number, but in the 2005 budget, Governor Doyle pieced together 20 words within 752 words to create a new sentence. Yeah, so he stitched together words over pages of the budget that had nothing to do with each other. Yeah, but what, and the result was he transferred hundreds of millions of dollars. $427 million from the transportation budget to the general fund to pay for education. And, I mean, people, you know, Republicans will to this day point to the fact that that's one of the reasons our roads are in such mediocre shape right now is because there was this, you know, transfer of funds from the transportation fund into the education fund, you know, 15 years ago. That's true, although I've explained to multiple Republican lawmakers that under Scott Water, Walker, and you can call the Legislative Fiscal Bureau if you want to if you want to confirm this. He reversed that and then some. Yeah. So he paid back the general fund all the money that Governor Doyle took and then some. Yeah. The transportation fund. The transportation fund, yeah. But the Frankenstein veto then was banned by voters and our newspaper editorial board again came to help the public get rid of this bad government policy of letting governors just create law willy-nilly out of thin air. And we thought, I mean, at the time, because we editorialized a lot on this. Every single day we wrote an editorial demanding a hearing. Yeah, it was more than 50-some editorials, yeah. Um, Because we were were stuck at a point where, you know, this this bill had passed the legislature once. Yep. And it had passed the House. 
and it was just sitting in the Senate with good old Fred Risser, who had actually I, he had sponsored the bill in a previous session. He had sponsored the bill in a previous session, but he, he but you know since his buddy Jim Doyle was governor, he was just going to let it sit there and yeah. die. And we so we said no, we got to vote. We, you know, Fred Risser, you've got to hold the hearing. It's 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 crucial. And he finally did. Yeah. So basically, what banning the Frankenstein veto did is you have to keep your vetoes to within one sentence. You can't cr- you can't combine two sentences to make a new sentence. Right. And I also should give some credit to Russ Decker because Russ Decker took over as Senate Majority Leader. Didn't really get along with Jim Doyle even oh, though yeah. they were both Democrats. And Russ Decker Did anybody like Russ Decker? <laughs> I do just because of this. <laughs> but anyway, uh Russ Decker did decide then finally, no, we're we're moving this. Yeah. We're ta- we're we're taking back some power as a legislature. Yeah. And by the way, we had twice endorsed Jim Doyle. Oh yeah. So he was "Quote unquote, our guy, our guy, according to the partisans. Yet we were taking the veto power away. Yeah, I sometimes think this is the most valuable service that our editorial board provides to the community. Is we're not partisan hacks. No, we're not. So you're saying we endorsed Tommy Thompson several times. Yes, and then we endorsed taking away his veto powers. Yes, and we endorsed Jim Doyle several times. Twice. Well, actually, we had voiced, we had endorsed him for attorney general prior to that. So but we twice for governor. Twice for governor, and we took away his. We voted we, to take away his veto power. That's right. That, and so we endorsed Tony Evers. That's right. And are we going to endorse taking away his veto power? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this Sunday, uh, the Republican legislature wants to say that you can't veto higher spending into law. Yeah. Without the the legislature appropriating that spending, which makes sense to me. It sure does. In fact, Phil, I know you're a young guy. I am a young guy, Scott. Thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) And I know that I'm an old guy. You are an old guy. Thanks for acknowledging that. But here, I have something, an artifact for you. Oh, what's this? All right. I'm going to hold this up. Phil, do you know what this is right here in my hands? That is a doorstop. No. No. Let's give you another guess. is Is it a brick? Uh, it's the size of a brick, a little wider. It says on the front of it, Webster's... Oh, no, no, no. It's, a f- it's one of those things called a phone book, right? No, 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 no. You're, you're getting warmer. I'm getting warmer? Yeah. It's about, uh, for those who can't see out in the podcasting world, this is about three inches thick. It's a giant book. It's about, I don't know, three pounds. It is the Webster's New World College Dictionary, Phil. You know, they have that on the internet nowadays, Scott. <laughs> What's the internet? <laughs> I don't take the internet. You don't take the internet. Uh... Look, I have it bookmarked there. I want you to open that up. Okay. And in this, that's called a dictionary. Dictionary. And this in the old days when we there had are a lot up, of little words in here, Scott. Yeah, I. That's why I'm handing it to you because I can't see type that small anymore. Okay. But look up the word veto and just let's read the definition of what a veto is according to Webster. Okay, I gotta find it. There's this, there's like so many words on this page. <laughs> I I won't even try to explain to you how to use guide words. Jeez. Okay, veto. An order prohibiting some proposed or intended act. Prohibition, especially by a person in authority. The power to prevent action by such prohibition. The constitutional right or power of a ruler or legislature to reject bills passed by another branch of the government. And right up at the top it said forbid, didn't it? Forbid, yes. So you are forbidding something from happening. Yes. A veto is not authorizing more money to spend. It's not authorizing a new thing. It is preventing something else. Duh. Yeah. I mean, mean, (laughs) when you put it that way, Scott. (laughs) 
Uh, but don't you understand that Tony Evers is standing up for the people with the people's budget? Well, that's and the thing. He's just, he's just trying to fight back against the Republican power grabs the last eight years. Well, what Tony Evers did is, through a very creative veto, in which he undeleted something that the Republican legislature had removed from the budget. He undeleted it. That, that's what some people are calling the zombie veto. He, he like brought con- back to life something that was dead. Like control Z on the computer. Like when you accidentally delete something and yeah. you want it back, it's like control Z. I was thinking, well, maybe we call it the control Z veto, but that's not catchy enough. No, I like zombie, zombie veto. veto. I like it. But actually, Brains. The, <laughs> but that's not what the Republicans are trying to ban. He also then used part of that number that he brought back to add to another number and increase spending on public schools. Yeah. So the Democrats say, well, this is fine. It's more spending on schools. And the kids deserve it. There's nothing wrong with that. Except that's not what a veto is. I mean, it's so obviously that's not what a veto is. I don't have a problem with spending money on schools, but you've got to do it in an honest way. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that the partisans always forget about is if you if you what would happen if the next governor was a Republican and with his veto pen, he increased spending on prisons? Yeah. How would the Democrats feel about that? They probably wouldn't like it very much, Mr. I'm Milford. thinking the same thing, and I'm thinking they would say, we need a constitutional amendment to stop this from happening. That's right. Well, that's what they brought forward. Now, the Republicans, it's like a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. Yeah. And I mean, the Republicans have been against all manner of good government legislation from nonpartisan redistricting. They eliminated the Government Accountability Board. They've tried to gut the open records law. I mean, they, they have a very poor record on good government legislation. And the only reason they're back on this, I shouldn't say the only reason, but the, re, you know, the big reason they're doing this is because for political advantage, short-term yeah. political advantage. And I will acknowledge that. But it's still the right thing it's to do. It's still the right thing to do, even <laughs> if it is you know, pure partisan <laughs> politics. Tommy Thompson was critical of the governor's veto powers when he was a lawmaker. Oh, yeah. When he became governor, he was all in, man. He this was is all great. In. Jim Doyle, running for governor. No, this, this Van, you know, his veto's power's gone too far. Becomes governor, he doesn't. And while the Republicans want to change it now, we also had warned Governor Walker about going too far with the veto pen. Yeah. We had an editorial in 2018, just last year, in fact, that told Governor Walker, don't play games with veto power. Walker better be careful or his ability to nix parts of bills could be reduced again. And back at that time, the governor had crossed out the words today and Saturday. And by doing so, he had extended a sales tax holiday meaning that the sales tax holiday was going to increase the cost by $3 million to $14.5 million. Okay. He also did something that lots of governors have done. He crossed out the word not when it was in front of shall. Yeah. So the legislature said, uh, you shall not do an audit of the University of Wisconsin system. He crossed out the not, and now instantly in the law, you have to do it. That's not exactly what they what was intended. No, and that is not right either, and I would support a constitutional amendment to do away with that. But Robin Voss may have just figured out the answer to that. He would say cannot Yeah. because then it's one word, so you can't 
you either have to delete it all or not delete it. Is instead of shall not, they started using cannot. Yeah. The other thing you can do is you can write really small sentences in the budget. Because the governor can't veto those. Yeah. And I like that as a journalist because we don't like run-on sentences. Oh, I hate run-on sentences. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, common sense tells us we, should, you know, we really what we want is a line-item veto where the governor can can edit out complete provisions that he does that he thinks are inappropriate. It's like Tony Evers did a lot of that. Like he yeah. said, you know, we're not. He had gonna, eighty some yeah. vetoes, and, and most and of them were fine. Most of them, you know, it's it, stuff like you know, we're not going to have Tesla, Tesla dealerships. He just did the whole thing. And overall, the in the in the, the the budget that Evers signed had less spending than what was originally proposed to him by a fraction. You know? Even though he increased it in one part with his veto for schools, he deleted enough other money that he didn't want to spend. Yeah, that he offset it. Yeah, and so I, I don't have a problem with the, with the governor going in and sort of crossing out entire things they don't like from a budget. I think that's actually probably pretty good and healthy. That's what a veto is. That's what a veto is. But when you're using the veto power to create new powers or spend new money and do something the legislature completely did not intend to happen, that's yeah. when you've gone too far. And I think anybody who's being honest yeah. will agree with us. Yeah. Now, getting back to your point about power grab, Unfortunately, the two Republicans who are pushing this used that phrase when they introduced the bill. Yeah. They called uh, the governor's veto a power grab. And this was right after the Republican legislature, of course, late last year, after they had lost the governor's office. After they literally grabbed power from the governor. (laughs) Yeah, they came in just before they had to leave office. The governor, Walker, had to and took a bunch of power away from the incoming governor. Yeah, I mean, these Republican but, lawmakers, they have been hypocritical and purely partisan and wretched for a long time. But they're still right. But they're right about this. <laughs> <laughs> if you step back from just the day-to-day or even year-to-year partisan back-and-forth and blatant hypocrisy, there has been this general sweep of good government changes to the veto power to limit it in sensible ways, and this is yet another one of those. This is what the lawmakers and the people of Wisconsin thought they were getting. They thought they were, when they when they gave the governor a partial veto, they thought they were getting a line item veto. That was mm-hmm. how it was sold to the people, is he's going to be able to cut out certain things, and then over the years, activist judges went and said, no, it says part, it doesn't mm-hmm. say line item, so you part means you can do whatever you want, basically. Yeah, I guess you could look at it two ways. On the one way, you could say they're looking at it literally. Yeah. That part is part. part I'm, I'm following part. the law exactly what it says. But it was clear that that was not what the quote-unquote founders <laughs> of Wisconsin, the people that wrote the thing, the lawmakers, intended. This is why you have to be very careful when you write laws because yeah. you, know, you, you put the wrong word in there and all of a sudden – you know, it all goes willy-nilly. And in fact, that's one of the things that's been raised with this whole cannot, that the Republicans are now using the word cannot rather than shall not to avoid a veto. Well, some people have said, you know, we don't know how the courts are going to interpret that. Yeah. Maybe they interpret cannot differently than shall not. We were pretty all in against the Frankenstein veto. Yeah. I mean, we did a daily editorial for... Dozens and dozens of days in a row. And I did a cartoon with the editorial every day where each day I would tick off a new stitch on Frankenstein's head and the head would grow up (laughs) as we went into like day 40 or something like that. And it might be worth mentioning we were finalists for the Pulitzer Prize in editorial writing. 
Yes, we were. <laughs> Uh, because of our spirited campaign, I believe was the term, <laughs> yeah. including a trip uh, to the Capitol building and a video exactly. that we posted about Frankenstein Vito. I want to go find that video because I don't know what happened to it because that was like two computer systems ago. I know. But uh, right, we went down to the hearing. You dressed up as Frankenstein's monster. I still have the mask at home. You're, we actually had your mom in Detroit FedEx the mask. <laughs> yes, she did. Because it was your mask from like middle or high school. From high school, yeah. Halloween. Halloween Halloween mask from high school. Yeah, my mom FedExed it. And, and you went down to the Capitol as Frankenstein's man, monster with your arms up in the air. Yeah, and we I videotaped the whole thing. Playing your music in the background from your band. <laughs> and uh, we made a video on that, and that got a lot of attention. And of course, we did an editorial with it, too. It'd be great if the spring 2021 that voters could vote on a line item budget veto and nonpartisan redistricting. Yeah, if if these Republicans <laughs> have the good government bug, I sure hope it takes. Let's encourage that, you know? Yeah, I, I, I can only assume that Robin Voss will now equally embrace nonpartisan redistricting and he will uh, abandon his bill for a secret lottery where we don't even get to know if Robin Voss's brother won the lottery. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all anonymous. Yeah. Trust the government. That's what Robin Voss <laughs> says. I think he just wants you to trust him. All of the music on our podcast is by Tube Tester.